1: tech sideline is presented by first bank and trust company a nationally ranked community focused bank with over 30 locations throughout virginia northeast tennessee and north carolina who you choose to bank with can make all the difference visit firstbank.com to learn more What's going on, Hokie Nation? It's Rivalry Week. It's Virginia Tech and Virginia coming up this Saturday in Charlottesville. If the Hokies win, they're going bowling in their second year under Brent Pryde. We're talking all that and more. It's episode 332 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, and it starts right now. We record on Wednesday, November 20. Second from our Corporate Research Center Tech Sideline Studios. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, leave us a like, comment, and subscribe. Do us a favor, refer the show to a friend as well. The Tech Sideline podcast is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. But the TSL podcast is also brought to you by The Hokie Way. Coming next Tuesday, November 28th, The Hokie Way launches their 2023 year-end fundraiser Stone by Stone, a donation match campaign aimed at raising funds for Virginia Tech NIL and to benefit local charities. Transfer portal season is right around the corner, Hokies. Get ready to make a difference with your tax-deductible donation. All right, we got most of the football crew on set today. To my right, lead analyst and columnist, Mr. Chris Coleman. Across the way, senior staff writer, Andy Bitter. No fourth chair today, Decona is on the road. Producing behind the scenes, Mr. Nick Brown, and I'm your host, Giovanni Heater. Well, rivalry week, fellas. We know what's on the table, Right. It's that marquee spot that we said at the beginning of the year Virginia Tech was going to have a chance to get to in order to call this season a success. And here we are after the chaos of a 1-3 and three start after this great revamped offense, a chance to go 6-6 six and six on Saturday against the Wahoos.
2: Kind of where I thought we'd be before the season, just took a different route to get there. And it's not not like the Virginia Tech has never been in this situation before it's happened multiple times in the past where they need to beat UVA to qualify for a bowl game that being said it's the first time for Brent Pry. it's the first time for the UVA staff also uh it's going to be the first first time for a large number of players on both rosters I mean thanks to, thanks to you know the transfer portal and things like that there's a there's a whole lot of key players for for both teams, particularly Virginia Tech, that weren't even a part of that 2021 game, which was the last time this happened. Uh, and, and for a large number of players, since the game didn't happen last year, it's going to be their first Tech UVA game in general. So it's a scenario that, that we're all familiar with, whether it's media or fans, but it's, it's a scenario that most of the coaches on, on both teams and a large num-
0: number of players are not familiar with. Yeah, we were going through making requests this week. Like, who do we want to talk to? We're like, well, let's get a Virginia guy who's played in the rivalry before. (laughs) And we're going through the roster. We're like... It's not a whole lot of guys that are like big contributors. We got Josh Fuga eventually who talked about it yesterday, but it's not a ton of guys from Virginia that have played in this rivalry a ton. And some of the, you know, obviously a lot of the uh, big guys that Virginia Tech's had the last couple of years have been transfers and they haven't played in this game before. So it sort of speaks to how Virginia Tech has recruited in the Commonwealth over the years and and also to the transfer portal and, Uh, you know, how many guys are new to this whole thing. So I'm sure there's an introductory course that they have. They've got a lot of guys on staff. I'm sure J.C. Price can get them up to speed pretty quick on the rivalry.
1: Well, that was a question I had for you guys. Do you think it feels a little bit different because of that, as some of these kids are coming in as outsiders, didn't necessarily grow up with it? And now that Virginia Tech is trying to put a footprint in the state of Virginia, can they kind of get back to that? Uh, Because it does feel like the the rivalry just a little bit kind of lost the... Clash, and it once had uh, when Virginia was really, really good back in the
2: '90s. I've got friends who played for Tech in the early to mid '90s, and they knew at least half of Virginia's players. You know, I mean, back then, you know, Lynchburg had good football, and you had you had guys from Lynchburg and Roanoke going head to head from bo- from both teams. You know, you had uh, Cornell Brown versus uh, the Barber brothers and things like that. I mean, those guys grew up playing against each other, and that's what's been you know, robbed from this rivalry as recruiting has gone more national, Uh, some of which was going to happen either way, but some of which was uh, due to lack of focus on in-state recruiting by previous staffs both at Tech and UVA. I'm going up and down Tech's starting lineup here. Daquan Felton is from Virginia, but he transferred in, you know, from Norfolk State, but he is from Virginia. Uh, The Moors are from Pennsylvania. Uh, goodness, uh, there's one, one offensive starter from for Virginia Tech. It looks like from the state of Virginia, and on defense you've got Powell Paul Ryland, who's a transfer. You got Jaden McDonald. Although the McDonald twins are originally from North Carolina, I believe and they they moved to Salem. Um, you've got Stroman, Stroman um, and then you 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 know you've got Fuga, who sometimes starter, sometimes isn't, but uh, yeah it's i don't i don't know enough about the UVA players to know where they're from it's just not a lot of you know you you look here in a guy like DeQuan Wright he might not really know anybody on Virginia's team whereas 15 20 years ago he would have known
0: probably 20 guys yeah i think maybe it feels a little less personal mm. than it was at times i remember One of those first games I was here, James Gale was just trash talking a storm like it was personal for James Gale out there. I forget the tackle he was going up against uh, in that game, but they were trash talking the entire game like it was there a little scrapping. I think at at some points of that game, Uh, you know, Danny Cole, before that 2011 game, gave an impassioned speech about you know how the, you, know, you don't lose to these guys, and they're talking about how they're going to come out and beat us. What was the score of that game? Thirty-eight nothing. I think it was. Danny
2: Cole was from Charlottesville, and I don't think UVA offered him. Yeah.
0: yeah, and he he was Lexington in high school, Lexington, I believe. That's right. Uh, uh, when he came down here, but you know that was personal for him uh, in this game, and maybe not quite as personal with some of these guys because they don't have that that in state connection. But I think when you get out there. Uh, it's about the laundry, and you see the other, you know, the other school, the team's colors, and uh, you pick it up pretty quickly. Once you're in the heat of battle, I think you understand. Like, okay, this is a rivalry. This is this is real. Maybe not quite as personal and uh, as heated as it, as it was
1: for some of these guys in the past, though. Let's talk about this uh, Virginia team a little bit. They're led by Anthony Calandria. Kind of an interesting quarterback situation, though, going on in Charlottesville. Do you think he's the guy on Saturday, Chris? Probably. I mean, if, if Tony
2: Musket is still banged up and he was unable to play this past week against Duke, uh, then it would be Calandria. The coaches up there, they seem to favor Musket. Like he was a starter coming into the season, but he got hurt. Calandria played and then Musket got over his injury and came back and then they put Musket in. And Musket was their quarterback and their biggest win against, uh, against UNC. I think they feel more comfortable with him. His highs aren't as high as Calandria's. But his lows aren't nearly as low either. Calandria is an exciting true freshman who is just as likely to th- to win the game for you as is to, you know, lose it. To be honest, uh, I think I think they're a little more settled with Tony Musket. So it seems like the coaches favor Musket. But is he 100 percent this week? I have no idea. So. When in doubt, I'm, I'm saying the Calandria is going to be their guy, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think if there's any doubt about Musket's health, you don't want to put it behind that offensive line back there. <laughs> uh, Calandria goes out and makes plays. I mean, he, he, maybe just ride the hot hand in this game. I mean, he threw for 300-some yards, close his, to 300 I think his last, last two
2: games have been his best.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, like we said before, he plays with – just extreme confidence, like I mean, he's the guy that goes down and you know throws the touchdown that has no prayer in the, in the last second, and then gets up and celebrates like he just hit somebody with an RKO, like that. That that is, <laughs> like Anthony Calandria get you know gets the penalty for it. That was the end of that NC State game that they come back and and uh, lose that game, end mm-hmm. up losing that game. But uh, you know, I feel like. I feel like UVA feels like it has something with him as a quarterback going forward and you know, your three and eight season, maybe you look forward a little bit and you, and you know, let's roll with this guy. Let's get him in a rivalry game, see what he can do. And uh, you know, honestly, he scares you a little bit when he's out there. Now he might lose the game for UVA because you know, he's a little cavalier with the ball and he's throwing it down stair downfield. But you know, I, I think that he can make some plays and you know, when you've got Malik Washington out there and a quarterback who can get him the ball, uh, you know the offense can do some things out there.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about Calandria here, Chris. It feels like he's gotten significantly better game by game. Maybe with the exception of that hiccup against Georgia Tech, but still, he he really wasn't bad in that ball game. What's most notable is the fact that his interceptions have gotten better. He, he's mm-hmm. taking care of the ball better. Uh, threw a pick against JMU, by the way. He threw for 377 yards and two touchdowns in that game as well uh, in a shootout. And we know JMU's good. Um, at Maryland, did throw three interceptions, two against state then it's gotten cleaned up one against georgia tech he balled out against louisville 314 yards a touchdown did throw a pick uh, but also had 89 yards on the ground against louisville and that's one of the top defenses in the acc if not the top defense in the acc Uh, and then against duke 278 yards 21 of 30 uh didn't throw a single interception had three touchdowns through the air 66 yards on the ground i mean that's pretty darn good football
2: yeah uh, it is and he's played better down the stretch i think um I think – but their offensive line has also stabilized a little bit the last couple games, and I think that's helped things out. I would say he's the ultimate – like if you walk into a casino – let me check my bank account. <laughs> oh, I've got no issue throwing all my money down on, on this right now. I'll get paid again next week, right? It'll be fine. Uh, that, that's how. That's the type he, he strikes me. Aaron it sounds McFarl- like
0: scared money don't make money. Exactly. I, th- I like. think
2: Aaron McFarland would like him very much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, He goes out there and he, he puts it on the line. Like I said, he yeah. throws it deep, and he doesn't care really who comes down with it yeah. uh, down the field. But sometimes you got to take those shots, and, and it's paid off for them sometimes, and sometimes it's gotten him in trouble.
2: I think uh, – as far as his, his running ability goes, he's more of a scrambler type. He's not going to be like Kyron Jones or Brennan Armstrong where he's just like a bulldozer up the middle. He's only 180 pounds. He's, he's six feet, 180 pounds. If he played for, Virgin, for Virginia Tech, our fans would be like, oh, my gosh, we can't rush him more than five times a game because he can't get hurt, right? And I agree, you can't – he's not going to be your up-the-middle Let's just grind it out over four quarters. He does so much of his damage through scrambling. And a lot of his big passing plays come off scrambles. He's very much, I'm not saying he's as good as Tyrod Taylor or any such thing, but he plays more like Tyrod Taylor than Gerard Evans, whereas you know, Kyron Jones plays more like Gerard Evans. They're they're different styles of quarterbacks. I don't think they can have the exact same game plan as like NC State did last year just because of the difference in size of the quarterbacks like Brennan Armstrong is just a much bigger more durable guy.
1: Well, you talk about the quarterback being able to run the football, and he might be the only guy out there that can run the football, Uh, Virginia. They really struggle to run the ball on the offensive side. Uh, Yards per game, 124.73. That is 101st in the country out of 133. Yards per carry, they're 123rd in the country out of 133. Uh, They really just do not run the rock very well, Chris.
2: And, you know, their top two running backs for this game average 3.1 and 3.5 yards per carry, respectively. So this seems like a game that, they're going to have to win through the air and the rushing yards they do get comes with Calandria's legs. That's been kind of the story for them this season.
0: This feels like this has been a decade long problem at UVA, finding just a running back that you can, I'm sure they've had somebody that's going to prove me wrong in that, but <laughs> year, year after year, it feels like yeah. finding, finding a way to run the ball traditionally with the running back has been an issue there. And you know, I think that sits on the offensive line. That's the biggest problem there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that helps Virginia Tech's defense. I think they've been good against you know one-dimensional attacks. Frankly, uh, maybe last week, notwithstanding, yeah. uh, maybe NC State had a little bit more ability than we we thought coming into that game, but. Uh, you know the, the focal point of this offense will certainly not be you know, running the ball with the backs and uh, trying to trying to slow down Malik Washington will be the, the biggest key of this thing.
1: All right well, let's go there. You mentioned Malik Washington. They quietly have one of the best wide receivers in the country plain and simple. He's uh, second in the nation in both receptions and receiving yards tied for 15th in touchdowns. This is a guy that Virginia Tech's going to have to key in on.
2: 96 catches, 1311 yards, nine touchdowns. so that's, that's that's a pretty good career. What was Northwestern doing with this guy? Not, he called, like, like 60 passes I, right. last year. Like, uh wasn't yeah. this. Like, not my this. goodness. Not this at all. Um, now, this is interesting because it'll be the best, or at least most prolific wide receiver that the Virginia Tech corners have faced this year, except the Virginia Tech corners aren't going to really face him. He's 5'8", 194 pounds, and probably spends 85 to 90% of his time lined up in the slot. So it's not like Dorian Strong or Mansour Delane are going to be matched up man-to-man. Uh, against this guy virginia tech's gonna have to play disciplined zone defense in the back end that's how you slow him down um i don't i don't think you're gonna you know just see a whole lot of man coverage
0: yeah that, sometimes they put dorian in the slot i think you've seen that in, in a couple of formations i'm curious he's their best cover guy you try to get your best cover guy and the best receiver and you know, shadow him a little bit? Uh, I don't know enough about defense to know how they do it, but I just know if you have a really good cornerback against a really good receiver, maybe you want to match them up uh, occasionally on the field.
1: Well, possibly part of their run woes and the fact that the quarterbacks have had to run for their life is the offensive line has seen some struggles and better <laughs> days for Virginia as well.
2: Yeah, and you know they've, they've rolled out the same starting lineup for the last couple of games. They've done better. Their best tackle is their left tackle, Mikel Bowley, but he actually... He went off the field injured last week against Duke, although he did walk off under his own power. So we don't know his status this week. Uh, Ty Furnish is undersized at right guard; hasn't played particularly well. Blake Steen at right tackle. Both those guys have struggled big time in pass blocking. But you know they had they've had some other players that they've worked in there as well who were even worse. So these guys are really they've been the best of a bunch of bad players so far. And, and and they've now the fact that it's stabilized for them the last couple of games has helped them out, but it's still not good.
0: I think Tech and UVA are kind of in similar spots with their offensive line, where a couple years ago they had this rush of guys that were really good all leave the program. Now, Tech had a lot of those guys go pro, a couple transferred, you know, Nestor and uh, Brian Hudson. Uh, UVA had basically its entire offensive line transfer. Well, they got tired of catching passes. Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, when that happens, you're starting over. And like we said, it's a slow build sometimes on the offensive line. It's tough to bring in transfers that fit your system or that, you know, an offensive line transfer goes in the portal and everybody is on that guy immediately. I mean, it's just tough to find... You know, large human beings who are are good at what they do on the offensive line. So you got to develop that uh, sort of organically within your program, and that takes time. And you got to recruit those guys in high school. They got a red shirt. They got to get bigger, stronger, and they got to develop over the years. And that's not an overnight process. And I think you're seeing that at both Virginia Tech and Virginia, and uh, maybe it's going to lead to a lot of sacks on Saturday
1: before we get to the defensive side of the football and we talk some of the history of the rivalry and things like that you know this is kind of the time where we, we, we'd kind of toss it to David so instead we'll we'll keep the conversation here uh and, and I'll ask you guys thoughts on Tony Elliott was that like a great hire for UVA what were your thoughts when that happened because he's a second year guy just like Brent Pratt.
2: doesn't seem great so far I think they've made improvements you know the, the last few weeks of course but when it comes down to it well they, they win three games last year or was it two? Three, I believe. Three last year and then uh, three this year. So mm-hmm. you're six and 15 so far as a head coach. Uh, I, I think they found something at quarterback for sure. Um, how well can he recruit? I, I don't know. Um, he's certainly showed the ability to go out to the portal and find a top wide receiver, but you know they're going to need a running back. They're going to need a lot. And I don't know. It, just, it doesn't seem like it's working so far, but that doesn't mean that it won't. It's still early in his tenure. Um, The the funny thing is like when uh, it was rumored that Tech was considering firing Fuente at the end of the 2020 season, we we kept hearing hearing that Tony Elliott was a guy that Witt was really interested in. Whether that's true or not, we know how coaches search. Or that, no idea. But that was a guy that tech fans were talking about a lot. Like he was at or near the top of the list for a number of, of, of fans. I, I remember uh, back then. Um, it was kind of funny how that that works out.
0: Yeah, I think the jury's out uh, on the Elliott hired. I mean, on field stuff, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you're talking about a coach who faced one of the most difficult situations ever that you're ever going to face from a football uh, standpoint and really not even football. I mean, off the field situation. And I thought he handled it as well as any coach could have just, you know, bedrock of the program, face of the program, you know, standing strong for the team, standing strong for the community. I think you look at how he handled that. It was exceptional. And, you know, that sort of filters down onto the field. Like uh, you have something like that happen. A lot of guys transfer, you lose Marcus Haggins, your receivers coach, who I think, you know, Could he have gone back into that receivers room the next year? It's a hard thing to do. So uh, to to lose that, to to lose uh, uh, some players like that on your team is just an incredibly difficult situation and. I think you have to factor that into how the program is run and how he's doing. So that's why I don't judge so harshly when I look at this thing. I go, that was an impossible situation to try to navigate. And I think he did a very good job with that. We'll see if they
1: can come out the other side, uh, on the football side of things here going forward. Yeah, that's a really good point there, Andy. Appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, Let's talk about Virginia on the defensive side of the football. Chris, we've said all year that it just seems like When Virginia Tech goes into a game where the matchup does favor them, uh, they do pretty well, particularly in Lane Stadium. This one, you're going to Scott Stadium Mm -hmm. instead, but we saw it most recently on the road against Boston College. Well, lucky for Hokie fans, uh, Virginia struggles to stop the run, and Virginia Tech, a run-first offense. They're exactly
2: like Boston College statistically on the defensive side of the ball. They are horrible against the run and they don't make any plays at all. But, like, Go through the numbers. I know I've got them in, in my yeah, computer. Yeah, rush
1: right. defense, number 115 out of 133. Yards per carry, 117. Pass defense, 61. Uh, opponent quarterback reigning, 60. Total defense, 98. DF plus, 71. And available yards, 72. And
2: I think if you keep scrolling down, you'll see my uh, the numbers that I put in there as far as tackles for loss, turnovers, and sacks and how they're basically one of the yes. worst teams in the country.
1: Yep, 113 out of 133 in tackles for loss. You call these the havoc plays, yeah. just like you did against Boston College. Sacks, 132. Mm-hmm. That is second to last in the country. That, that That's pretty tough right there. Forced fumbles, 75th, interceptions, 82. Just like Boston
2: College, they don't get into the backfield. They get moved off the ball rather easily, and they don't force any turnovers. That's not the recipe for playing good defense. And, and you know, the, the teams that Virginia Tech lit up also, like Pitt and Wake Forest and Syracuse, they're better defensively than UVA is. So this is an extremely favorable matchup for Virginia Tech. It's very similar to the Boston College matchup. As much as we blast on, you know, Tootin only having two carries last week and, you know, even Drones only having nine. Those guys should be nice and fresh this week for <laughs> for a defense that is very susceptible to the run. And, you know, they've given up some yardage to, uh, to rushing quarterbacks as well. I think this matchup, you always want to see what your strengths are and how it matches up. To the opponent's weakness well in this case for Virginia Tech their strength matches up extremely well with the UVA weakness just like it matched up with Boston College so you've got to come out with the same game plan I think I'm not saying you necessarily need to run it six times 16 times in a row at one point like like Tech did in that game but you've got to go out there and establish the run and then throw off the run and the defense has to do their part too because they can't like let UVA get an early two score lead which Takes Virginia Tech out of their running game plan, you know. So it's, it's going to be a team game, but I just I really think the matchup in that particular area, particular area really favors Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, it, if Tootin doesn't have more touches on the first drive than he did on <laughs> the last game, then I'm going to question the game plan coming into this one. Uh, if you're Virginia Tech, this is about sort of the perfect opponent. That lines up with where your weaknesses are. I mean, they really struggle when there's an aggressive defensive front that gets in the backfield and disrupts what they're doing. Well, they're not really facing that this week, and they really struggle when the other team can uh, run the ball or has a, a tricky run operation. Well, UVA doesn't really have that, so that you know, you look at those matchups, and then I look at this. I think it's a three-point line right now, and I go, I don't know. I kind of like Virginia Tech when when I look at those numbers. All right,
1: well, time to uh, talk a little uh, buy or sell, guys. Sure. All right. Why not? Well, I mean,
0: David gets one right and he leaves. He doesn't even know. Uh, doesn't even follow <laughs> know. up his performance. Okay, <laughs> see right. how it is. He's sitting on the. He's not even in the lead. He's sitting on the lead. You should have, you should have, should have uh,
2: sent him the questions last night. He I, have, I, I didn't realize he them. wasn't going to be here. Oh, okay. That's my okay. fault. That's okay. my okay. fault. Um,
1: I can I could always send them to him because this, this is not well. live. is not live. It's true. Yeah. It's not live. So I can always send them to him. Um, <laughs> we might have to do that. We might. He's driving. True. You'd have to call. Where's he going, Orlando? Yeah. Yeah. For hoops. Yep. Gotcha. Um good spot to be. <laughs> right.
2: He's going to get he's going to be in the deep south. He's going to Orlando, then he's going to Auburn, then he's going to Baton Rouge. <laughs> yeah. He's going to yeah. get spoiled by the deep south late fall weather and just not come back. Yeah. I, nice. I don't blame him. Yeah. yeah.
1: Not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, a reminder this past week, Chris went 14 and 11. David also went 14 and 11. Mr. Bitter went 11 and 14. Chris took the all-time lead 60% on his win percentage. David is 53%. Andy is 61 and 45 for 58%. Guys, this is a make or break week. If Chris wins, he might kind of pull (coughs) away here. Andy, you got to have a big week here. Are you guys ready to roll? Yeah. It's a rivalry. Let's do it. Let's do it. Kyron drones three or more touchdowns. Chris.
2: Accounting for three or more
1: touchdowns. Total touchdowns accounted for rushing or passing. Three. Oh, wow. Three or more. Buy. Chris is buying. Andy. I'm also going to buy that one. He's going to buy. two Tutin any anytime touchdown. Bye. Andy. I'm oh, sorry. You're good. I'm going
0: to buy. I, mean, I think he has to if they're going to win this game. I think they have to use their brain again and give the ball to Basial Tootin. All
1: right. Virginia Tech, 46% or better on third down. Andy.
0: I'm going to sell just because I think that's a a big number for this team. I just don't think they're that good on third downs.
2: Chris? It is a big
0: number. But if they
2: get themselves in short yardage
0: situations
2: with as bad as, as UVA is against the run, I'll sell... Because I just think the number itself is high. But if you'd put it in there at like 41 or 42 percent, I'd, I'd probably be inclined to buy. It. I yeah. see. I
0: see you're protecting your lead here. I see, I, how, you, I I see how this I is working.
2: Yep. I see how plays. I'm, take, I'm taking a knee in there. <laughs> well, I'm not taking a knee. I'm turtling up in the fourth quarter.
1: It's funny you say that because I just changed the line from 40% to 46% oh, not three minutes ago. I see. Uh, game time decision by Vegas. Uh, <laughs> Basal two and 13 or more carries. I know he only had two last week, but 13 or more. We'll go, Chris. Bye. Any better.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's if Tech wants to win, he has to
1: have 13 or more yeah. for sure. Yes. Okay. Anthony Calandria plays the entire game. Andy. Now what, what are we saying play? Because they have this like short
0: yardage thing where they bring in this big bruising quarterback and they shove him from behind.
1: By I, that I mean he is the quarterback like situation where I, injury he does, aside. He doesn't get benched and he doesn't get knocked out by it with yes. an injury. Okay. Yes. I will buy. You're gonna buy. Okay. I'll buy as well. You guys are gonna buy. I would also buy that. Malik Washington, eight or more catches, Chris. He gets a lot of catches, more than you'd think. He gets a
2: lot. 96. He gets a lot. Um, The best, most prolific, prolific receiver Tech has faced, but also some of the best corners that he's faced. You should say eight? Eight. I'll sell. Ooh.
1: Andy. I'm
0: going to buy that one. Ooh, okay. After I, uh, I shortchanged KC Concepcion <laughs> last week, I'm not going to make that mistake again.
1: Malik Washington, touchdown. I know for a fact, spoiler alert, all you guys have UVA still scoring points here. So Malik Washington, touchdown. I'm going to buy that
0: one. I th- I think he's an exceptional receiver, and I think he's their best offensive weapon. they got to get him the ball. Andy
1: learning from his mistakes last week with KC <laughs> I would definitely buy that as well. Okay. Virginia Tech, 50% or better in the red zone on touchdown to field goal. Chris. Oh, I'm trying to remember what my score prediction was. Buy. It's going to buy. Andy.
0: I can't remember what my prediction was. I think <laughs> I think based on my score, I'm going to have to buy that one. I think I said 31-23, so buy.
1: Virginia Tech forces a turnover. I have not done it a lot lately.
0: They have not done it
1: a lot lately. Actually, not a lot all season, really. I'm going to buy because I think Calandria is going to put the ball out there for an opportunity. All right. Buy as well. UVA forces a turnover. They also don't do it very
0: much. (laughs) No, they don't.
1: Um, I'll sell. Andy? I'm
0: going to buy. I think they do get a
1: turnover at some point. Quan Felton, anytime touchdown. Had two last week. We'll go Andy first. I've been selling this every time it happens. I'm gonna buy if I'm
0: gonna say drones is gonna account for three, I think one will go I to Felton. Go to yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I've I swear half of the wrong answers I've gotten this have been on DeQuan Pelton Felton yeah, picks do. this year. He was he was really hot
0: one. and cold for a while there, yeah. where he was like a hundred yards or three yards. Yeah,
2: like back exactly. and forth. So I, I agree with Andy. If if we're gonna sit here and say drones is gonna account for three touchdowns, probably one of them is is gonna be to Felton, I would think.
1: That's fair. Virginia Tech, two or more sacks. Can APR finally get, granted this isn't the question, but can Virginia Tech get two or more sacks? Can APR finally get his 10th?
2: Uh, UVA is in, God, what are they? Have, they've allowed something like 38 sacks this year. They're one of the worst in the country, sa- teams of the country in sacks allowed.
1: I can fact check that uh, for you.
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure that, what's in my preview.
1: Yes, I'm scrolling. Yeah, okay. I'm scrolling.
2: I I, I, th- I want to say something like 125th, 120th. Something like that. I'm looking for it, and trying, to, trying to skim here. But at any rate, two or more. I know it's a mobile quarterback, but I will. I, I think they're going to throw it a lot because I think Tech's going to stop their traditional running game. Uh, so I will buy.
0: Yeah, I th- I'm going to buy, too. I think not only do they like to throw it a lot, I think Calandry will stick in the pocket to try to throw it a lot because uh, he tries to make plays. He's not going to be one that's like, I'm going to throw it away. He's like, no, I'm going <laughs> to make whatever I can out of this play, and I think that leads to some sacks.
1: Andy, Mr. Drone, 60 or more rushing yards.
0: I'm going to buy it on this one because I I think you might see a game plan similar to that BC one where they they run him a lot and and try to establish things. I'm not saying he's going to run for 130 or whatever he ran
1: in that game, but I do think he'll get to 60. Bye. Bye. All right. Virginia Tech, 220 or more passing yards, Chris.
2: I'll sell just because I think they're going to be so run heavy. Okay.
0: I was going to say the exact same thing for that reason. Okay. You can't make up any ground for agreeing on everything <laughs> I know. I know, <laughs> I know.
1: Well, uh, yeah, can you guys stop, stop agreeing with each other? Malachi Thomas, maybe this is a chance to shake it up. You guys think they're going to run it a lot, so you got to think this guy's going to touch the ball. Malachi Thomas, 30 or more rushing yards.
2: Bye. Versus buying. He got that last week on one carry. Oh, yes, it's 16, 16. He would have gotten
0: it if he had gotten two carries. That's average right. 16 that's right. yards. Yeah. Um, average 16, yeah.
1: I will buy this one, too, because I do think it's going to be very run focused. Stephen Gosnell, two or more receptions. Complete flip side of this then. So Sell. selling one,
0: two receptions. I will buy that. I, I think he, I think he's a, a nice sort of little safety valve sometimes in this offense.
2: I think he used that exact same sentence last week. in the Stephen
1: Gosnell question. Well,
0: it <laughs> holds true. It holds true.
1: <laughs> There we go, uh, two and two or more catches out of the backfield. Tootin for Basial. two or more catches.
2: Poof, that's kind of a crapshoot. Uh, buy.
0: I'm gonna buy it because I, th- I think oh. they took so much crap last week, but <laughs> they yeah. didn't use it at all. That they're like, all right, we got to be a little inventive on how to do that. And you think about screens and stuff like that, right. swing passes. Uh, sometimes they'll motion them out wide and just uh, throw a, a wide receiver screen to them. So yes, I'll buy. All right, Jalen Lane, forty or more receiving yards. We'll go Andy. I'll buy. I I like Lane. I think he's just their their most reliable receiver. Maybe doesn't always get in the end zone. As I think him and Felton are he and Felton are tied uh, touchdowns this year. Six. uh, I'll go with. I buy that one. Okay.
2: I'll buy that one as well. Man, their stats are almost dead similar. Sidetrack here. Lane, thirty seven catches, five hundred twenty four yards, six touchdowns. Felton, thirty five catches, five hundred thirty four yards, six touchdowns.
0: Pretty good additions in the transfer. Yeah, portal. I, I would say
1: so. Yeah, not bad at all. Virginia Tech, two hundred and fifty. Or, or we already asked this question. Oh shoot! All right, my fault, guys. Let's uh, let's 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 readjust here. Daquan right, two or more catches.
2: Mm, I'm just gonna randomly sell this week.
1: I'm gonna
0: buy it again. There we go. Uh, there we go. I think he looked a little slow in practice the other day, so I think he's a little beat up right now. But he, I think he's such a valuable. Uh, guy coming out of that tight end slot that, and, and also you know he's got good hands I mean he's made some pretty impressive catches in recent weeks so I, I think they throw it to him yeah Calandria two or more touchdowns we'll go Chris first
2: oh I'm trying to
0: remember my score prediction Buy. I'm gonna buy because I think there will be a, quite a few points in this game
1: interestingly enough Calandria does not have a single rushing touchdown this season thanks just, just saying. <laughs> Hokies five or more plays at
0: twenty or more yards. I'll buy. I think this will be a
1: lot of offense for the Hokies in this one. Agreed. I'm buying. All right, Xavier Turner Bradshaw, two or more touches could be a catch, could be a carry. We'll go, Andy. I will sell
0: because uh, I think if he's going to get the ball, it's going to be on a reverse. I think they'll try to at least get it to him once, but I, I don't know if he has any catches this year, maybe very cool. few. I know we caught yeah. one against Rutgers,
2: I want okay. to say, or Marshall. They don't but throw
0: it to him a lot. He
2: doesn't actually get in the game very much.
0: And Yeah, and I think uh, you know they've talked about his issue has been consistency week to week. So you know he has that big splash play. You don't really see him much of it in that, so Dude, I'm selling that.
2: In a run-heavy offense, there's just not as many opportunities for a receiver. Like We've seen Aiden Green play well over 200 snaps this year, and he's got – four catches, but he's hardly ever in the game for a passing play. Plus, I think
0: I bought every other receiving statistical one. So I got to sell something something. at (laughs) some point.
1: Uh, I'm also going to sell that. All right. Over-under is set at 51.5. Chris, what are you taking? 51.5.
2: Over.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: I'm over. I think I was 31-23 with my prediction, so I'm over on
1: that. All right. Uh, this is kind of a not a makeup question, but because I accidentally asked two different lines for the passing yards, and we went with the first one that I asked, <laughs> we'll throw this in here to get our number to 25. APR, 10th sack of the year coming up on Saturday. Andy? Yeah, he gets it finally.
2: Bye. And if he if, if he doesn't get it this week and UVA wins and he's stuck on nine at the end of the season, we just totally jinxed him. Because it would be like four, what four games in a row without a sack, and we're sitting here talking. Oh yeah, he's definitely going to get ten. He's definitely
1: going to get ten, right? No, it's, no doubt about it. It's weird because what seven came in two games, right? Four against Wake and three against Syracuse. Three in one drive.
0: Yeah, I think it was six. Well, yeah. Was six? it two and four? Okay, yeah, but yeah, he really turned it on at the other way. I mean, they've got to be ahead and have some opportunities to be rushing the passer. Yeah. Quite honestly, the one game they were ahead in the last few weeks. He was sick that week and didn't right. play a whole lot of snaps. Right. And plus, BC wasn't throwing a ball a ton
1: that way. Virginia Tech wins. Chris. Bye. I got it 34 24.
0: Andy. I bought, I said 31 uh, 23, I believe.
1: All right. Well, unfortunately, you guys only begged to differ with each other like three times, so we'll see how it all. This <laughs> is Coleman up.
0: sitting on his lead, I know. not trying to take any chance. I need David here to I, kind of shake things up too. You, you know, maybe rattle
1: him a little bit. I could fumble the snap like Arkansas in '98. Maybe for the bowl game, if it's a situation where it's very close, what we do is I'll record a separate. You guys don't talk about it on the pod to really see because I feel like sometimes. When you guys hear each other, you're like, I got to play it safe. But if you write it down on a sheet of paper, you can't. You can't go back. We'll get these noise-canceling
0: headphones that you'll ask us each. We'll put a <laughs> blinder between us so we can't see each other. We're, we're going to have right? to
2: invest in, like, some game show buttons <laughs> yeah. we can push. The audience can see our answers, but we can't. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and That would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome. We
0: could do a Price is Right style, like who's closer to the the pick, too. I just want to bet $1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. That's the
1: strategy, yeah. Playing it safe, playing it safe. Right in <laughs> Final <laughs> Jeopardy, you're not going to put, put anything on the line. <laughs> Um, how about the? Obviously, everybody knows the history of this rivalry, but the fact that since 2012, this is what, the fifth time it's happened where Tech is looking for their sixth win, final game of the season, I mean, it does add a little bit of flair here. Well,
2: yeah, some uh, interesting moments in there, you know, from Mike London's usage of timeouts in 2012. I think that was the last second field goal by, by Journal. You got
0: Michael. And he, he missed one. Then Exum got a pick. Got a pick, and then and then they came down, and then the bad usage of timeouts. Right, and that whole game was forgettable. Was, they had they had the ugly flexing gobbler helmets. Yes. It was snowing. It was a, snowing, just, it uh, was snowing yeah. a
2: little bit. That was a uh, that was not the most entertaining Virginia Tech UVA no, game. No, everybody's yeah. like, oh,
0: this is a blip. Virginia Tech just going six and six. They'll be oh, back. And yeah, they'll they'll like be, they're ever
2: back. Since, yeah. <laughs> right, ever every <laughs> um, since. Uh, let's see. Uh, Twenty fourteen was an exciting game. Now the the crazy one about that is Michael Brewer. Had his shoulder popped out, dislocated during the game. Goes to the side and is just throwing shoulder too. Goes to the sideline, get it, gets it popped back in. Hits Bucky Hodges on a deep ball, and Virginia Tech wins the game. That was right after UVA had scored with like two minutes left to take the lead. And so you're
0: like, well, streak's over. No way, no, no way, you're coming back now. And then they did. Yeah, that one was uh, unexpected. That's one where you, you're like, okay, they're done. Uh, somehow won that game. I'm trying to think twenty. 20- Fifteen was a pretty good game up there. I it believe they, went, they were going back and forth. I think Isaiah Ford had a pretty big game, caught a touchdown at the sure. end of that it was, one. It was,
2: lot, it was another uh, Tech kicked a late field goal, and then I think Tech got an interception on the last drive of the game. Strom, yeah, okay. Um, what I remember about that game is Brewer getting hit so hard in a play early in the game that he actually threw up on the field.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Wow. And that was, I mean, you have the the added weight of that one. That was, you know, is this Frank's last game? They lose that game and it's over with. And you see the relief on the sidelines. Uh, You know, Bud Foster's coming over and hugging him. Shane's coming over and hugging him. Uh, He was on people's shoulders. Yeah. After the game. Yeah. Jeremy Haynes, the walk on defensive end. He's like, oh, you you like worked your way in there for the the famous (laughs) photo. So he's like immortalized forever being there right next to the guys. But, uh, you know, you could tell that one meant a lot to that sideline to be able to continue it and and keep playing for Frank. And, And also. That game, I think everybody kind of knew that Fuente was gonna get hired. Yes. Uh first or second quarter of that game, Brett McMurphy comes out with a report like stating it, like, okay, they're gonna to, going to hire him. It's like very bizarre timing of that. So it's like the middle of the game, and I'm like trying to confirm the Fuente hire that we all knew was gonna happen yeah. and the game's taking place. And it's like this is just bad timing of this whole thing. That's I, I
2: do remember that I was I was at that game. In the crowd and my phone worked during a football game imagine that so yes I got I got that news during a game if that happened today I wouldn't get it because my phone wouldn't work but yeah
0: well it's certainly not in Blacksburg
1: it wouldn't work right exactly maybe other
0: stadiums have better wi-fi capabilities (laughs)
1: how do we think the crowd's going to be on Saturday like 60 40 in favor attack or what do you guys (laughs) think
2: I don't know what the percentage breakdown will be but uh Somebody hit me up, like, Nick, you paid 70 for it, and um, somebody else hit me up earlier this week. He's like, what do you make of these $70 ticket prices? And I'm like, well, for a stadium that's normally 40% empty a lot of times, it probably means there's going to be a lot of Virginia Tech fans there.
0: I would imagine, just based on, you know, Tech's playing for something, UVA is just playing to, to be a spoiler in this one, so... Usually it's a pretty good showing by the Virginia yeah. Tech crowd at this one. A lot of maroon.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I thought the 2015 game seemed like it was about fifty-fifty if you look at the crowd shots. And I, I don't know about 2019 or, or 2021, but uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of Tech fans.
1: Well, if Tech wins and uh, we're going bowling, where do you think we're going? See, it sounds like the military, military bowl. Military bowl just makes the most like sense. It does. I've seen Sun Bowl's projection.
0: against USC. Yeah, that, that would be so I mean, That cool. would be an interesting matchup. I don't know. This. There'd be a lot of teams, and also it would depend on, you know does, does Florida State get into the playoff? Right. If they get to the playoff, that bumps Louisville up to the Orange Bowl. Presumably, it'd be the next highest-ranked team. Uh, does a Big Ten team play in the Orange Bowl against the ACC? Because that would open up the Rel- ReliaQuest Bowl, uh, which I can't remember what it used to be called. One of those, one of those Orlando Bowls, I, th- I think. Maybe Wait, how many Tampa Bowls are in Bowl? Orlando Uh now? Yeah, a ton. Uh, but if that opens up, then all of a sudden you know Notre Dame's going to that one cuz Notre Dame's part of the ACC bowl order. So uh you know if you get a uh, uh a team in the playoff it's possible that could like move everybody up two rungs in the whole bowl pecking order. You don't and all of a sudden it's like well team in the orange bowl maybe you don't open up the Reliant Bowl and that bumps everybody down. So still a lot a lot of jockeying that can take place here. Uh my thought is if this team is 6 and 6 and they don't get to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, which is one that makes sense a lot just because of proximity, mm-hmm. Annapolis and the Military Bowl will take Virginia Tech every opportunity yeah. that it can. Absolutely. Just based on the, the D.C. alumni, uh, you know, typically, yeah, typically you're talking about like Duke or B.C. or Pitt in the mix for a game like that. They don't travel. They're not going to, you know, fill that stadium. And then now that Virginia Tech fills it up, but it's a much much better crowd when the Hokies are involved in that game.
1: I would like to personally not play in the Military Bowl just because you'll get you'll probably get to play a Power Five opponent elsewhere, and in the uh, in the Military Bowl well, that's I, not the case.
0: I've looked at some of the Military Bowl uh, projections, and it's like SMU. Or Memphis, Memphis, which could be pretty those interesting. Are
2: teams. Interesting. I
0: mean, if SMU, you get future ACC member SMU coming in there, you get a, a preview. Of but would would rather
1: play Lincoln Riley and USC? Even though Caleb Williams oh, wouldn't course. even play. Like, if
0: if the option is playing USC in the Sun Bowl or some like Tennessee uh, some in the AAC Dukes-Mayo team bowl. in the the uh, military bowl, you you would take the the Pac twelve, Pac whatever it is right now, uh, team every day of the week. So uh, I just don't know if. You know, if they get to six and six, I don't know if six and six gets you to the Sun Bowl. Yeah, right. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Probably not. Um, there's like going to be a just, lot of teams like, right in the middle of that ACC, though. That, but, you know, Miami could be six and six. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech could be six and six. BC could be like there's just a ton of teams
1: in there that could have the exact same record. Cuse, they're they're five and six yeah. right now with one more left. So are they? Left? The they got uh, who do they got? Wake Forest. That's a winnable game. It's definitely, it a, is winnable definitely game. a winnable you know, game. Definitely a Ma- winnable game. Imagine yeah.
2: getting fired and you actually win your last three games. Well, he won't be coaching this week, so
1: yeah, they actually gave him the option, and he said, it's "I all said right. no, yeah, no, we're done." I mean, yeah.
0: that's what happened at Virginia Tech with Fuentes. They, right. they gave him the game.
1: option to yeah. finish out the year.
0: Uh, I, I think the option was on the table, and he's like, "That's all right, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> let's, fire let's me. get on with this." Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I think a matchup with USC appealing from a name standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, I don't think would be very entertaining. I don't,
0: Well, Caleb Williams wouldn't play. There's zero percent chance he would play in
1: that game. That's a good point. How
2: many many guys would odds less than zero? It's like
1: negative five hundred percent chance. Shows
2: you everything that's wrong with bowl season. I think I saw like
1: the
0: the Action Network when Brett McMurphy does his bowl projections. He's the one who had Tech and the Sun Bowl in that one, and they put a projected line on it. I think it was USC by eight and a half. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm assuming their factory, and then the Caleb Williams zero percent chance that he would play in that game. I'm I'm surprised even played these last few games now the season's over the way that he seems to have his attitude about uh his next step in his career so uh zero percent chance he plays in the bowl game and i I don't know who else would at usc if if they have a a couple other opt-outs
1: yeah all right any final final thoughts on uh, this matchup before we uh, turn everyone loose and talk to him again on monday
2: just the main point that i made after the nc state game is, is i think this is an important game for perception uh, if, I think Virginia Tech has made strides this year, and I, I think they did a. there was a good in-season coaching job after the Marshall game to, to keep the team mentally focused and to get the offense headed in the right direction. Um, I think that was a good coaching job, and they deserve credit for it. I'm afraid if they lose this in the season with a loss to UVA, that's going to taint a lot of the good things that they've done in the eyes of a lot of people. Um, so I'm hopeful that they can close it out with a win for multiple reasons, that being One of them, I think you'll just you'll just feel like the program's heading in the right direction if you go six and six. Whereas you're five and seven, you don't feel that as much because it's a it's a plus two. Like you won three last year, so you win five this year. It's plus two. But at the same time, if the UVA game had been played last year and Tech had won, they would have gone four and eight. So it was like adding only one win this year. Is that really that great a job when you added so many good players in the portal? Would they have won last year? We don't know. We don't know. It wouldn't have been right, pretty. Yeah, there's with no that way team, there's no
0: guarantees of, of anything. There was
2: there was no guarantee either way. But uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's important. I think it'd be great for Brent Pry to go six and six because I, I, I just think losing to UVA at the end of this year, when you do have a matchup advantage in the running game, I think it. In the eyes of a lot of people it would undo the good things that you accomplished during the course of the season
0: yeah i'll echo that and so i'm not going to repeat exactly what you said because i'm of the same of opinion uh, it's just good to have this game back right like it felt strange and it was appropriate last year not to play the game uh, but you miss something during the season you don't have that capper at the end of the year it felt incomplete to finish the season not play uva and I know this, this series has been lopsided, but it still have been some great games, some close games, memorable games. And these are the ones that you you dine on for years if you're a Virginia <laughs> Tech fan. And, you know, you, you, we talked about some of the, the previous ones that were close calls and they, they pulled it out at the end. So just to have this game back at the end of the schedule, I think, you know, we talked about maybe some of the players don't quite understand the rivalry as personally as other players. I think when they get on that field, they will feel it. Uh, And you'll feel that intensity. And even though these aren't two great teams, it, it, it's still a, a great game to go cover and watch uh, as a fan. So I'm excited to have it back. It feels it feels right to have it back in place.
1: This is uh, I'm a, I'm a junior here. This is my first Tech UVA game because freshman uh, year home for Thanksgiving, freshman year you, you know it didn't make the trip. Uh, well, well think about we next it.
0: year. It'll be the first time in Virginia Lane. Tech fans will be able to watch this game in Lane Stadium uh, since twenty uh, what is it twenty eighteen because the insane. COVID year and then last year I got felt canceled. bad
2: for Tech seniors last year uh katie adams who was our podcast host, she pointed out to us what my whole college career and did get to see virginia tech host uva yeah and right. and nick also yeah exactly yeah, who, cares? So.
1: who cares about nick we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> the mustache man I, I have to give massive props to nick He's, he invited me to thanksgiving so i can't i can't wait to uh to do that tomorrow gentlemen enjoy your thanksgiving andy will see you up in charlottesville have a uh, have a safe drive up there and uh this was a fun one We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. For Nick Brown, for Andy Bitter, for Chris Coleman, I'm Giovanni Heater signing off from Blacksburg.